It's 2020 and surfing the web is dead. All the horror news you need is now just one click away. Fangoria.com is your first destination for all the horror news of the day, featuring a constant curation of the Fango team's favorite links from across the internet. You'll also find deep dives and daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, as well as exclusive access to the Fangoria vault. Check out Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Use promo code PENNINGTERROR for 15% off right now now that's promo code penning terror p-e-n-n-i-n-g t-e-r-r-o-r for 15 percent off right now hey gang welcome to the final episode of this season of penning terror in this episode i talked to entertainment lawyer larry zerner we had a fascinating and very educational discussion i learned a lot from this one and i hope you do as well whenever i teach a screenwriting class the question about copyright and protecting your work uh, always seems to come up so i'm really glad to get a lot of those questions answered in this episode Before we get to that, I wanted to take this time to welcome the Boulay brothers to the Fangoria family uh, and their new show, Creatures of the Night. These are the stars of the Dragula series on Netflix. If you don't know who I'm talking about, you need to definitely head over to Netflix and educate yourself. Also, if you haven't heard my other show, Fear Initiative, uh, I invite you to check that one out as well. It is a live play improvisational horror show using Dungeons and Dragons as a uh, storytelling tool, but really it is just some scary improvisational madness disguised as a game of D&D. Cast includes horror actors, creators, and writers. You can catch up on past episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. And when you're all caught up on that, you can check out our live show we do on Twitch every Monday at 9 Pacific. That's on twitch.tv slash fear initiative. This interview was conducted over Zoom, which is what we have to do now. So you're going to notice the sound is a little different than the other episodes, but the information is still vastly important and incredible. I learned a lot from this episode. I hope you do as well. And I want to thank you guys for listening to this uh, season of Penning Terror. Uh, I've had a lot of fun putting together these shows. I've learned a lot. I hope you've learned a lot. And I've enjoyed presenting them to you. So on with the show. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. And it will then take some time to get back to where I was. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. I'm going to make a new rule. In here, that means that I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. You're distracting me. That means that I'm working. That means don't come in. How do you think you can handle that? Hello and welcome to an, another episode of Penning Terror on the Fangoria Podcasting Network. Uh, today it's going to sound a little strange, a little weird. Uh, I guess like all talk shows, we're doing this via the Zoom. And my guest today for this special episode is Larry Zerner, attorney. How are you doing today? So good. Great to be here. <laughs> Yep, thank you for coming on. Um, so you are a entertainment lawyer. Is that the uh, exact title that you you go by for? It's a title. It's a title. Uh, you know. <laughs> it's, it's it's the field of law that you are a part of. I'm an um, entertainment lawyer. Yeah, that yeah. works. And uh, I I wanted to do this show because it seems like to be the the one thing when I'm teaching screenwriting at USC or any any other place. 
writers really want to know the legality of writing. So they want to Good. know protecting themselves uh, yeah. above all else. Um, I want them to know that. That's, yeah. That's good. Yeah. And well, you had an interesting start in, in entertainment in general. Uh, can you tell us where you started out in this uh, field? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I started out as an actor. I wanted to be an actor. And uh, I'm, if I'm quote unquote famous, I'm, I'm mess known. I played Shelly in Friday the 13th Part 3 and gave Jason his hockey mask. And uh, then uh, moved on. <laughs> was there was there a, spe- a specific the, something that pushed you towards law? Uh, Hollywood pushed me. Hollywood said, uh, "We're not going to let you make money. <laughs> You're not going to make a living doing this. Yeah. So why don't you do something else?" <laughs> yeah. And the law called. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yes. But, but now you um. So when you uh, when you started in this field, uh, it was it just you you were already familiar with entertainment, so it just uh, seemed natural that that was the field you would go into. Uh, yeah, I always because of my acting background, I just it was always something I wanted to do. Entertainment law. If I was going to be a lawyer, I was like that was what I wanted to do. And I was lucky enough to have some lucky breaks and meet some great people and get some good jobs early on, and and that's led me to do this now for almost 30 years. So. Oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome. Um, but yeah, like I said, this seems to be a topic that always comes up whenever you're teaching writers or talking to writers is how you, what are steps to protect yourself and what are some of the mm-hmm. things you should be concerned about? Um, I guess just starting from the beginning, what, what is that first thing that when you have the idea and you're ready to write, what is that first thing that, you should think about as far as protecting yourself? Well, when you're just starting out, because until you tell anyone your idea or you tell or you share it with anyone, you don't have to worry about anything, right? So uh, I know sometimes people have to worry. They go, and this I get a lot, where they write something and someone else comes up with the exact same premise. And that happens a lot. And, you know, people are always they ripped me off and you'd be surprised how many people just have the same idea. I I've literally had literally have five people contact me claiming that the movie yesterday, which was the movie where the Beatles don't exist. And one mm-hmm. guy has the five people contacted me saying they had similar ideas. So it was just one of those ideas that was out in the ether and uh, uh, have it, you know, when that happens. So, mm-hmm. One thing keep in mind, writers, is even if you think you got that, this is this one idea is going to make you a million. You know, keep writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never. That's not how it works. <laughs> I that that was going to be one of my big questions because that seems to happen to. I mean, it happens to every writer. It's happened to me so many times where I'm like, this is an amazing idea, and then a week later I'll get a press release after I've put together this awesome outline and be like, wait. Did I tell somebody about that? Did, is that that's my idea? <laughs> it's it's if it's out there, I guess anybody can pick it up. But I guess that's one of those things that's really difficult to prove if you're shopping something around town and, and yeah. And 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 here's the thing: ideas alone, premises for a movie, are not protected by copyright at all. There is a uh, a a a, a a thing called idea misappropriation, which is if you go into a producer's office and pitch them that idea, and 
so there's a at least an implied agreement that if I come and pitch to you and you use my idea, you will pay me for it. In that situation, you can then sue for the use of the idea, but those cases are so rarely successful, mm-hmm. it is almost impossible. So, but and but on just saying that if you put your idea up on in on Inktip or one of the other sites and it's just there and somebody sees it and goes, oh, I, I like that idea. I'm going to do my own version of that. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it so ideas and ideas are kind of worthless in this town. It's the execution. Mm-hmm. It's getting it done. It's doing it, writing a good script. Uh, many people have, I mean, thinking of Friday 13th. I mean, Friday 13th is a ripoff of Halloween and, uh, and how many movies are the same, right? The idea of there is a mass killer walking or, you know, running, walking around killing kids. How many movies have that premise? Right. You, you, yeah, yeah. you, Dave, oh, yeah. you could name a hundred. I, I, I've tried to write some. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the execution. It's right. Not in the, the idea itself. Um, there's, so when you get to having your completed script and you're pitching it around, that's when you should be more concerned about the uh, the idea of protecting that particular work, not so much the yes. idea. So, so to, pe- to protect your script, the one thing you do, and really the, the, the only, well, the main thing you do, is you register that script with the copyright office. Mm-hmm. You go to copyright.gov and you file a registration. And by the way, I have a YouTube video that walks you through the process. You can find it by searching <laughs> Larry Zerner, copyright registration, you'll find the video, walks you right through it, takes you about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's not hard, costs, it's either 45 or $65, depending on how many authors there are uh, on the script. And that is what you need to do. Do, do not, do not register with the WGA script registry. That is just a ripoff. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, if I, if there are people listening to this who belong to the WGA or, or are high up in the WGA, please just stop, stop the WGA mm-hmm. script registry. You are just, you are, you are killing people. I mean, I, I mean, you're, I mean, some people call me and they go, I had my script registry with the script registry. And I go, that was worthless mm-hmm. because you need to have a copyright registration because one, it's a prerequisite to any lawsuit. If you want to sue someone for copyright registration, for, for copyright infringement, you are required to have a registration. And you cannot file the lawsuit until you actually have the certificate in hand. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, if you are going to sue someone for copyright infringement, you only get your attorney's fees in that lawsuit, which me, as speaking as an attorney, can be substantial. You only get those attorney's fees if you have a registration prior that predates the infringement right so you so what what happens is right you 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 write your script you send it out someone steals it you hear about the movie being made you then you go oh i better register with the copyright office okay you can do that and and you get your certificate you can sue but it's too late to get your cop to get attorney's fees because the registrate because the the infringement already happened infringement happened when they wrote that infringing script not when the movie came out. The infringement happened when they wrote the script. So you're, you're barred from getting attorney's fees if you hadn't already registered. And also you can't get statutory damages, which mm-hmm. is, there's a, in, in, now the, the remedies for copyright infringement is that you're entitled to your actual damages, which would be the amount of money you presumably would have gotten had you been able to sell your script, but now you can't. Um, 
you can also get their, the profits attributable to the infringement, uh, which is how much of the, assuming the movie has profits, um, uh, you can, and some, you know, the, some of the profits are attributable to the script as opposed to the director and the actors and the other elements of the film. Um, you can get that, but in a lot of movies, there are no profits, right? Mm -hmm. Or, and so the movies have no profit and you are, uh, you, you're the amount of money you would have gotten for your script, because if you're an unknown writer and this is your first script and it's a low budget movie or something, you know, what would you have gotten? 50 grand? 60 100 okay that's 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 fine but if you're going to file a lawsuit and go through it that and you and you can't get attorney's fees uh and you it that you're you're kind of screwed but if you can get but the, the one thing the copyright office gives you is these statutory damages also required by having a registration prior to the infringement you can get statutory damages and that's where they talk about you can get damages up to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars if it was willfully infringed now on a big movie sometimes you know your damages could be much more than that but on a smaller movie that that's a good case you can that you can make that claim there are people call me sometimes and they have a, 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 you know they, their movie got ripped off and they have a good case the movie did get ripped off but it was a small movie very low budget no, they had, did not have a registration and there's just nothing i can do for them on a cost-effective basis because they, i can't get attorney's fees out at the end of the case and i can't get statutory damages and maybe the damages they would have gotten the, the amount of money they would have gotten is 30 or 40 grand and you know if i'm taking a percent you know a third or 40 percent of that i can't do it i can't do a case for ten thousand right. dollars it's just it, it costs it's a hundred thousand dollars in legal fees to do it right. so if you're listening to this and you have a script mm -hmm. please register your script with the copyright office do it now so you, uh to before you even take it out to show it to producer one you've got your piece of paper in hand dated to that date before you yeah, even show and, it anyway. But, but, but here's the thing, you don't have to wait till you get the certificate back mm -hmm. to, to send your stuff out. Because when you, when you file with the copyright office, you will get back your registration. It'll be backdated to the day you filed it. So when you, if you file it, uh, the day, it'll take three or four months to get back the certificate, but it'll be dated as of the day that you filed it. So you don't have to wait because I get that question a lot. Do I have to wait till I get the certificate back to send it out? No, the, but the day you, the day you're going to send it out, I, you, you want to, you want to register with the copyright office before you send it out or at the same time. And also what I tell people to do is um, the copy, because the, you're, you upload a copy to the, to the copyright office website. So they have a copy, make sure you have a copy of what you sent them mm -hmm. and, what I tell people to do is like, if you have a Gmail account or a Yahoo or something, some sign of permanent thing, like email it to yourself using a Gmail account with like th with the message, this is what I registered with the copyright office because you know that Gmail will always be there. And I've had cases where literally 20 years later, something was stolen and, and you want to be able to find that. And so, you know, you want to mm -hmm. find that copy. You're not going to find it in your, you know, you moving, you know, 20 years right. later, you're not going to find it. But if you go, oh, I can go to my Gmail and go, here's the name of the script and copyright registration. I'll find that email with that attachment. And I'll be able to, to, to find what exactly what I registered. And I'll, and I'll, and so that's, uh, that's important. Right. So was that whole um, registering by mailing yourself a copy way back in the day, was that, uh, 
a myth or was that like something that you could actually do when you had like a... yeah, the, the, the poor man's copyright. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. No, there is no such thing as the poor man's copyright. It is mm-hmm. absolutely a myth. Uh, it has never, ever, ever been used in a court of law. It would not be up. It would not be held as proof of anything. And, and now you don't need to, I mean, in the old days, you know, we had this thing called postal mail. We don't need that anymore. We have computers, right? It, right. Again, if it, a, if I if I Gmail if I email it to myself, but you know, I, you know, that's good evidence of what it is because you, especially if you use something like Gmail, mm-hmm. that's dated. I mean, that's good evidence or thing, and and also, or you can send it to your, you know, your friend or you know some other people, so they have like this is my this is my script. I'm sending it out today, but I just want you to you know I have this email trace. So then there's this thing if ever if ever anybody thinks like if anybody steals my script and I, I can't find it. Mm-hmm. Well, I can ask my friend who I remember I sent you that script. Can you go look through your emails and, and see if mm-hmm. you can find that email? And nowadays you can, I mean, you can find emails from, uh, you know, 20 years ago. Right. Well, going, going to the, 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 the concept of the, the idea just being out there, how does that apply if you're working with a writer's group or, um, even a writing partner, um, but more, I guess that's two separate things, but just the, yeah. the, the writer's group um, and you're bouncing ideas off of people. How's that work? Well, well the, 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 normally if you're working in a writer's group, there's an understanding that people will give you suggestions for your script. That does not make them co-authors mm-hmm. of your script. And, and there is no case where somebody has successfully sued uh, saying I gave him suggestions. Uh, there was a, it was a, there was an actual case where uh, on the movie Malcolm X, Spike, someone sued Spike Lee and said, I helped uh, on the creation. He was a, like a history expert and knew a lot about Malcolm X and he, and he helped him come up with stuff. And then, and the guy sued saying he owned the copyright and lost uh, mainly because the, for there to be a, a joint author, the courts need to see that there is a uh, there was an intent to create a joint authorship, and usually there isn't any intent. There was also a, the same thing happened with the musical Rent. Uh, you know, the Jonathan Larson who wrote it died the day of the last preview, and then the 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 woman who was the dramaturge sued, saying she helped create it and wanted part of the copyright and ended up losing. But mm-hmm. a lot of that is because there is no intent. Is So that's the question. Is there an intent mm-hmm. to create a, a joint work? And I, I get that a lot where people say, you know, I'm working with a producer. I, I you know, I, my, a producer is looking at my script and he's giving me notes. And then the option runs out or the deal runs out and then the producer goes, Oh, I own those notes. No, he's just, he doesn't know what he's talking about. If Mm -hmm. the producer tells you, Oh, I own this, unless there's a writing where he, you sometimes there is in the option. It says anything we work on after this, we, I own or, Mm -hmm. or because I paid you for that. But unless there's anything in, if there's nothing in writing that gives him any rights to that, he does not own that. And he can't threaten you like, I, I own the, any own anything like that. But it also it's important before you make any deals, have a have a copyright registration. Mm-hmm. You you really want to do that before so that way they don't get they can't tell you it's a work for hire. You also don't want to you don't want to if you wrote a spec script, you do not want an agreement that says it's a work for hire. Okay. Uh so w- uh can you explain uh work for hire for uh how that would work or well that, that concept. 
Yeah, so the, it, technically, it, in a work-for-hire uh, arrangement, the um, uh, you're being employed to write a script, mm -hmm. and the employer, the producer, the studio, they are the copyright owner in that case. You are mm -hmm. not the copyright owner. Okay. And and key is that um, if uh, we've talked about the, there's a provision in the Copyright Act that if you sell your script after 35 years, uh, this applies for actually anything you sell, uh, any kind of copyright, you sell songs or scripts or, or, or anything, anything you like to give away. After 35 years, you can terminate that license, terminate that assignment and get back the rights. And this is what the, the Friday the 13th lawsuit uh, is, is about, that uh, the writer of Friday the 13th, Victor Miller, sent a notice saying, it's been 35 years, I want my rights back. Right. And, and there's a lawsuit going on because Sean Cunningham, who was the producer and director, said, well, no, you, this was a work for hire. I, so therefore, right. and, and if it's a work for hire, then you cannot get those rights back. Now, most things aren't worth much money 35 years later, but when they are, yeah. Friday 13, <laughs> you want that, yeah. you want the ability to get back those rights and, and be able to make new works based on your, mm -hmm. uh, based on what you're, you're doing. I've noticed that like Stephen King has terminated, he goes, he's going back and taking back all his rights to all his stuff. Um, so, and that's why you get things like Castle Rock because mm -hmm. now he owns his universe again and he can, he can, he can set, he can make deals for it. Right. Okay. Well, we, uh, so in that, uh, instance, like going up from, uh, working with a writer's group to actually being part of a partnership, uh, yeah. like I am, um, and so far it's working out all right and we haven't had yeah. any major blowups yet. Um, what are, uh, some of the arrangements that you should make as a partnership? It, it's it's well what I say with when you have a uh, a writing partner who you're not married to right. uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, it what you need is like a prenup you mm -hmm. need you need to think of it as a prenup what happens if if this goes bad who owns this what can we do with it mm -hmm. as long as everybody's friendly it's great but so first thing is is this a 50-50 deal? Mm -hmm. Because if it's not a 50-50 deal, if it's anything other, you definitely want that in writing because that whoever is on the short end of that script, on the short end of that will not remember that it's not a 50-50 deal unless it's in writing. Um, it's good to have just like to sit down, you know, what is it we expect to do? What do, do we do? both of us have final say do we both have to agree can one of us what if some producer two producers come to us and and want to option the script and one uh one is offering more money but sir or you know the other person feels this isn't the right uh this isn't the right, you know, if you don't agree, you know, do, do we both have to agree or not? I mean, or, and, and, oh my God, have a tiebreaker system, mm -hmm. uh, which is just, we'll flip a coin. Right. We will, <laughs> we'll, we'll ask, uh, we'll ask somebody, you know, we'll have somebody be our, 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 our arbitration. Our <laughs> yeah. A way, a, a quick way. If you, when you get stuck, that somebody you can go to like somebody to, to fix it for you without going to, you don't, I'm not saying, right. You don't want to have to sue, but if you go right. like every time we get stuck, you like, if, if you have some way, even if it's just, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll flip a coin and, mm -hmm. and that's how we'll decide these disputes. Um, it's, it's, it'll save you so much uh, service down the road because right. uh, you know, 
but that's you know and and what happens if one of you you writes the script you get three quarters of the way through and one of you says you know i'm done with it mm-hmm. or you let's say you write it you send it out and then you know the producer you get a producer who's interested and he goes well i want it but i want you to do these rewrites and you know one of you wants to do the rewrites and the other one doesn't it's like i'm mm-hmm. i'm on other stuff you know it's like forget it you know then in, in those cases it's good if you've thought about them and you don't you know when you don't is it is I've done these deals. You can make a formal agreement. Even if you don't have a formal signed contract, even an email back and, you know, that says, this is what we've agreed to, mm-hmm. you know, A, B, that we're 50, 50 partners. This is how we're going to resolve stuff. Any kind of in, 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 evidence. So if there is, if you, oh my God, if you get into litigation, there's something you can both look at and go, okay, this is what we agreed to. It's just going to make things, it, it also keeps you honest. I mean, I've seen mm-hmm. the, the problem is people don't have anything written down and then they get into a fight. And, and so people start making up and, and no, not, not with you and Dave, but some people call me and it's like, I'm like, why are they being such a jerk? And it's like, well, I slept with her for a while and then I cheated <laughs> on her. You know, it's like that, that's where you don't get into that part of the partnership. I'm dealing with that right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so. Oh. Um, but would you recommend uh, with a partnership going to like the LLC or the, the C Corp road at some point, or is that something you would, you would save for like bigger projects or oh, you, you got to be making, you know, a certain amount of money to make, because mm-hmm. just the cost itself is a couple thousand dollars to set that up. And then right. you got to pay the accountants fees and you're not, there's no, you're not saving yourself from any liability. There's no liability. Okay. So uh, there's no, there's no need to do that until you start making problem. I mean, it's really a question for your accountant, but you probably right. got to be making a hundred grand for that mm-hmm. to be making. But it doesn't protect you financial as a, sense. It doesn't protect you legally as a, as a partnership or anything like that. I, I, protect you from what what would you get right <laughs> it's true <laughs> um so uh i'm, I'm bouncing over because i'm so fascinated by a lot of the the legalities uh, of this because it's it's uh there's just so many fascinating things um as far as uh your title as a writer i know this becomes a big issue with a lot of people like written by screenwriter that sort of thing what oh, is the credit yes your credit well, so the question is whether this is a WGA script or not, mm-hmm. because if you're WGA, if and uh, then th- that's all covered under the union agreement as mm-hmm. to what the credit, what you, what you, who you know, they have a script arbitration system, and and if there's multiple writers, uh, you know, I often see I get people come to me with deals that are that were not done under WGA and they're not WGA, and that but the contract says um, if you know, if there's a dispute over credit, we'll, you know, we'll go by WGA rules. Well, you can't because WGA has their own script arbitration system. There is no equivalent outside the WGA to use. Um, So, you know, if you're negotiating, I would, you know, if you're the first screenwriter and it's non-union, I would say you want to negotiate that you get the credit. He hires someone else. He can't give him, say you can't give him a credit. That's Mm -hmm. because you're buying my script that's the deal, but you're not paying me residuals and you're not doing any of the other stuff. So that's, that's the price you pay. So that's a, that's a negotiating point. If you ever, if you ever get in there. Um, so oh, I'm just going to say, if, if you have a partner and you mm-hmm. go, whose name is first, like, like, like who name is first. Right. Okay. 
nobody cares except your mother. Right. Whose name is first. <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody ever went, you know, that Lennon and McCartney, who, that McCartney guy, he was, he must have not, not done anything because his name is second, right? Nobody, right. nobody, nobody. <laughs> Nobody said that. Right. Nobody, nobody, nobody does that to, mm. uh, to writing teams. So it, it doesn't matter whose name is first. Right. But do you, really do you see, do you hear a lot about that? A lot of argument over that? Um, it's just, I, I've, I've heard people get testy about it. And it's like, mm -hmm. really? Nope. No, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. Nobody in Hollywood, nobody goes because your name is first. You are the better, more important or anything writer. Someone's name's got to be first. Flip a coin and move on. So uh, you mentioned earlier uh, option agreements. Uh, can you explain for us uh, what the option agreement is and uh, some things to look for in, in one of those? Sure. So if, if you, are, you wrote a script and now a producer wants it, normally they're not going to come to you and go, okay, here's some money we want. The script is ours. That rarely happens. What, what it, what's going to happen in this world is this, the producer will ask for an option which is that for a period of time, that producer has the exclusive right to acquire the rights. Uh, usually that period of time is a year or a year and a half with maybe the opportunity to extend that for another year. Uh, and um, so, but if you ever get an option agreement, and you know, the first thing I ask, I tell my, right, people who call me and say someone wants to option my script is, is this producer, can this producer get it made? That's the, that's the number one question. It doesn't matter what they're offering you. Oh, I will pay you a million dollars when I get this, if I, if you, when this movie gets made, you know, that's worthless if this guy's never produced anything. And also it's bad because no one's going to give you a million dollars for your first script. Uh, uh, pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, so, it, so if, if you, once you option it, that person now has your script, they have the rights to your script. You have no, you, you can't do anything with your script. So for a year, a year and a half, maybe two and a half years that they're going to hold it and you can't do anything. So you don't want to option it. You don't want to give an option to anybody unless you think they can get it done. Mm -hmm. And if, if you don't believe that they can get it done, do not option to no It doesn't matter what the price is uh, because a lot of people have talk, talk is cheap in this town. You know, do they have credits? Can they get it done? If, if, if someone wanted, if a producer says to you, well, I have, I know Channing Tatum and he'll love this, uh -huh. you know? Okay. Then it's like, okay, I'm not going to give you two years or a year and a half. I'll give you three months, six months. You can go to Channing Tatum, see what he comes up with. Uh -huh. And if, but, but then I get it back, you know, but I'm not giving you a full on thing. Cause that's, you don't have those kind of, you're not that kind of producer. Right. All right. So if you, if you do get the option, so the, the basic, what you, the, the terms that need to be negotiated are, one, is there an option fee? Producers like to do, when you're an unknown writer and you don't have credits, and you're not in, not in the WGA, they like to do free options or a mm -hmm. dollar options. I've heard I, about the dollar options that was big. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, this is something that you, your script is something you worked on for a year, maybe two years. It is very important to you. And the, the producer is saying to you, I think it's worth a dollar. That's what he's saying to you. I think it's worth dollars. Do you think it's worth a dollar? If you don't think it's worth a dollar, don't don't give it to them for a dollar. If if they really think it's worth money, if they think they can get it made and be a producer on it, and they in turn would make hundreds of thousands of dollars, 
they will pay you for it. And if they're not willing to pay you for it, they really don't value it that much. The Now under WGA rules, if you're WGA, then you get um, the minimum fee, option fee is, is 10% of the purchase price. Mm-hmm. So that's a rule of, if the, you know, you're not gonna get more than that if you're not in the WGA, you'll probably get less. But I would try and get some money, you know, unless mm-hmm. sometimes people come, you know, they go like, this is a script I've had in a drawer for 20 years and I'm not doing anything with it. And okay, fine. But if this is your first script, this is the one, you know, don't let someone take it for a dollar because then you got nothing else. You're, you're, out, you're out of it. You're, mm-hmm. You got nothing to do. So be very careful when you make that uh, deal. Then, you know, the next question is how long is the option? Like I said, usually they'll want at least a year. They'll try and get a year and a half. I, I, again, I don't want to give them if, if they can get more time, if they're paying you more money, because the more money they've invested in your, in the option, the upfront fee, then the more likely, you know, the harder they'll work to sell it. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. If, 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 a, if a guy's out there buying, you know, 20 options for $20, then he's got, he's got 20 scripts that he's holding. He goes into a meeting with, cause he's, what he's really trying to do is going to a studio and sell one of these, mm-hmm. uh, one of the scripts, but he doesn't care which one. They're just lottery tickets to him. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that, um, uh, the, 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 the length of time he has, uh, the, is, that he's paying for it because if he pays for it, he's going to work harder, right? He's going to work harder to, to, to sell the script that he paid a thousand dollars for than the one he paid a dollar for because he wants to get his money back. So try and get some money up front. The length, uh, uh, it'll want to be a year. And then though, if they want to extend it more then they have to pay again, it, you know, at least the same amount. Certainly do not give them, don't do make this mistake where you say, okay, I'll give you a year for a dollar and then, then they can extend for another year for another dollar. No, no. If they want another year, now they got to pay. Do not give them another a second a, a opportunity to extend for another dollar. No, that, that's just, a, that that's just giving it away. It's like if it, they come to you, they can come back to you for a year and make a deal or they can put something in there. And then the question, and then the question is, okay, what is the purchase price? of the script and that's you know if you're not in the guild you can go look at what the guild rates are you know for depending on the budget that'll give you some idea you know you know but usually i try and we try and say that the the budget of the uh, the the your fee for the script itself is tied to the budget of the film and it's usually somewhere between two and three percent of the budget of the film that's a that's a good rule of thumb i hate to say there are you know there are, there's no absolutes but somewhere between two and three percent is what you should be getting for the uh for the sale of the film now if the if it's a, if you're a really low budget you know if you're a million dollar on a million dollar movie budget that's you know two and a half percent is twenty five thousand. that's not a lot mm-hmm. um so you you probably want to get some back end on that like five percent of the net you know, and you want to say uh, that uh, any net any net deal will be uh, on the same terms as any other profit participant. So you don't have to negotiate this long term of what is my what are my points because you're the, you're the first one they're making a deal with, and I'm making a deal with anyone else until they made a deal with the script. But 
but do you want to be no worse in terms of what that, what the, how the profits are calculated? You want to share with anyone else. So if they get some good actor who goes and makes, you know, a good deal on what that, where the profit participant is, is proper participation is you have the same deal as them, or at least in terms of the definition of, of profits. And so uh, as part of this option agreement, you're, you are not uh, giving them rewrites. You're not giving them any work on this script. This is all, this is all their legwork. Uh, this is usually when you're when you've you've written a script mm -hmm. and you're selling you're op, they're optioning a spec they've already seen your spec they've right. read it right uh, so they can't come back to you and say uh, hey would you tweak tweak this for us or <laughs> well they they always uh, they will <laughs> very come right they will come to you and say tweak this and you mm -hmm. have to decide how much work you're going to do on this mm -hmm. uh, you know that's. It's a matter of how how much you value your time, what you, what else you're mm -hmm. working on, how much you believe in them. Uh, you know, a, a, if you're again, if you're a guild member, um, uh, then you, you're not allowed to do that without getting right. paid. Um, but if you're not, you can do what you know. And look, it's that's right. that's a that's something that's done. Also, oh, one other thing, when you're doing in, in the in the deals, I always try to put in the deal that if the script is, I, I, and I, I recently did a, a, a deal for a, 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 an unknown writer who had written a, a script and, and some, somebody wanted it and it was, it was non-union, but they were non-union. But I put in, I put a provision in the deal. I said, well, look at the, the budget, because we're going to do the budget at 750,000. I'm like, okay, if the budget goes over 3 million, this deal, you'll do this under WGA. Uh, and, 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 and they went, okay. Cause they, they were like, not going to happen. Well, turned out script won a big award mm -hmm. and they got an A-list director attached and the budget's going to be like 5 million. <laughs> and, uh, nice. you know, and so because of this, now the, the writer will get, uh, 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 you know, the protections be able to join the WGA, right. you get your get health insurance because yes. of the, the amount of the sale. And also you get residuals. Um, you, residuals are something that you only get if uh, under, if it's a WGA contract, mm -hmm. if you're not in the WGA, you don't get residuals. So when people talk about, well, if I, uh, I'm making a non-union deal, but we're going to talk about residuals. There's no such thing as residuals. There's no mechanism to give you residuals. Um, uh, if there's no, if it's not a union deal and mm -hmm. residuals are much better than, um, are not profits because what residuals are is, is your writers get is like 2%. It's 2% of the gross sales on, on DVD and, uh, certain foreign rights. So if for every million dollars they get, you get 20, that you're in your pocket. Mm -hmm. Uh, doesn't matter if they're still in the red, you still get that 20 grand. So, right. um, so if you could put in the agreement that, that at a certain point, the budget, you'll, you know, they'll have to go union. Um, that, that's a big deal. Cause then you can just join the, you, you can, as long as you have, as long as you sell one script at, at, at union minimum, um, you can join the WGA. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, uh, about, um, Sorry, I'm getting lost in my notes here because I have so many notes that I'm, I'm scattering them around. Um, so there's a, been a new um, uh, kind of trend of writers talking about leaving work behind when you're in a meeting. 
Um, I don't okay. know if this is something you've you've encountered, but that they have said, uh, you know, don't don't leave your treatments, don't leave your outlines. Is there any particular reason why uh, that sort of thing should be avoided? I, I guess the the fear is that they. That, I mean, if you go in, into a meeting and you pitch them with it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the expectation is you will leave them something to, to read that, that, so I, I, uh, again, if you have a copyright registration, mm -hmm. um, uh, that's good. Can they steal the idea? Well, this is what I was telling you before. If you actually have a pitch meeting with someone mm -hmm. and, and leave them something, uh, behind, actually that strengthens your case mm -hmm. that if, if they actually use the idea, because you can actually go, it's not a question of, Oh, well, this is what I pitched. You know, I'm not just telling you. I gave them this. This is my. This is. My, you know, I gave them this. This is my leave behind, and I gave them that. And that's the idea that they used in this in this movie. And by the way, the, this whole idea of misappropriation goes back to a, a Billy Wilder movie called Ace in the Hole, mm -hmm. uh, which somebody called Billy Wilder's office and said, "You should make a movie about this guy who fell in the well, <laughs> who fell in the cave, and they couldn't get him out." And 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 then Billy Wilder did, and that and that's and that was enough to get him uh, paid on on that case. So well, that brings me to to something that I'm interested in a lot because I love historic writing historical pieces and and uh, um, such and life rights and actually like you know writing about real stories. What how do you secure that that uh, that kind of rights to write on these on historical uh, pieces. Okay. Well, the, the 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 here's the thing that's going to save everyone a lot of money, which is that you rarely need to get someone's life rights, mm -hmm. especially if they went through something that was famous, like they a famous event. You basically never need to get life rights. Um, uh, uh, what you're buying, when you buy life rights, all you're really buying is, one, you're buying the right to defame them, and they can't complain, that because that's what it says. It says, we can, we, if we defame you, you won't sue us. And sometimes you're buying their cooperation, that you, you want them to, uh, uh, to, to help you with the research of the film. They, you know, they were there. So they'll give you insights into the, you know, when you're writing it, that's sometimes you want life rights because you, you basically want to interview them and talk to them and get their version of what happened as opposed to the, the version that's in the newspaper. Um, but if, if I want, you know, let's just say the, the Manson family, right. The man, you know, which we've seen in lots of movies, especially in the past year. Right. Uh, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino did not need to get the rights to any of the Manson girls uh, to put them in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I know that was a fictional thing, but there were, even if you made a true story about Charles Manson and the family, you don't need anyone's permission. As long as you're not defaming them and the people who were convicted of crimes cannot be defamed because they, mm -hmm. they, they're being convicted of crimes. The other thing is dead people cannot be defamed and by definition do not have life rights. You never mm -hmm. need rights from the family uh, to make a movie about someone who's deceased. Um, okay. this, this, this famously came around in Green Book, mm -hmm. which right, won the Oscar last year. Uh, and 
um, they, they, it was written, you know, it was the, the movie was written by the son of the character played by Viggo Mortensen. Um, uh, the uh, character played by Mahershala Ali was, is dead, he, he died, but his family is, is around. Uh, and they were not happy. They were not consulted or paid. And they, they were very public in their disapproval of the movie, but there was nothing they can do. He is dead. He cannot be defamed. And, and the movie still won the Oscar. Huh. So that if, if you're writing, as long as you're writing about dead people, you have feel you can do whatever you want. Um, so how specific, uh, historically can you get with something like if you're writing about uh i'm just being ridiculous here but manson's mailman or something uh, i mean is is it that you know part of history or you know uh too specific to be considered history well it, it, hmm. if you're just well the question is did he do something that you're uh, <laughs> that you're um, that you're uh, in, the, in the scenario? Is it do I need to get his permission? Do you don't get need to get permission to write about real people as long? Basically, the the courts have said as long as they're not being defamed. Okay. Defamed means you're saying untrue things about them that are mm. bad. Not just, remember not untrue things that are bad. If you say, oh that 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 Manson mailman was a saint but mm -hmm. he wasn't it may you know it may not be true but he can't uh, complain because, uh, because you made him look good you have to actually portray him as someone who did something bad mm -hmm. uh you know another good example is the the uh the oj television show uh i'm forgetting the name uh the uh, one people on versus oj people versus oj simpson yes yeah. so for that show which portrayed everyone, right? Marsha Clark and Darden and Simpson mm -hmm. and 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 Lee Bailey. And a lot of these people were lawyers. Uh, they didn't get anyone's rights. Mm -hmm. they, they didn't get anyone's rights. They didn't need to. They were, it was all public. Mm -hmm. And they're, even though they were talking about very, uh, you know, uh, contentious stuff and made people look bad, it, you know, it was all, had been, all been reported in various things. And so, um, there, there was nobody sued, so that's there's a good example of how you can write a about a, a true event. Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody got any life rights. In fact, they got they did get one person's life rights, which is Jeffrey Tubin, because it was based on his book. Oh right, uh, okay. Life. So he's a CNN commentator, and he's mm -hmm. portrayed briefly in the in the show, but mm -hmm. otherwise, it's all done. Now, at some point, do you want to? Consult a lawyer if you're doing it. Yeah, it's not a bad idea to mm -hmm. buy an hour's time right. with a lawyer to talk and, and, and see what's going on. But don't let it scare you. I mean, mm -hmm. part of the thing is you write your script, write what you need to write. Then, you know, when, the, when you get to, you're going to sell it, you may want to talk to someone because when you sell your script, the, the, the producer will make you warranty that you're not defaming somebody. Mm -hmm. So if, if you say something about something that, that they're bad, that they did committed some crime, you better have some evidence for it mm -hmm. uh, or it couldn't come back. I mean, another example, the movie Hustlers, which came out last year uh, and the character played by J-Lo uh, uh, sued this after the movie came out because, um, not because they had her 
stealing money from these uh, uh, guys, getting them drunk and stealing money. That she got convicted for. <laughs> she sued because there's a scene where at her house they were, they were, uh, um, I think they were wrapping drugs. They were doing something with drugs in front of her child, in front of a baby. And mm-hmm. she said, that made me look bad. And she sued. Now, turns out, like, I think last week, the court oh, threw that case out. Mm-hmm. said, eh, not enough. Uh, com- but that's the kind of thing where if you're going to, so even though if someone did something bad, you you, you want to have a source for all the bad things. That mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, unless unless you're someone like Charles Manson, in which case, you know, so anything bad. goes. <laughs> right, right. If you're doing the Dahmer movie, it's, yeah. like, it's like, well, I don't know that he littered, but I'm showing sure Yeah, he might have. Uh, now, when somebody writes a book on these historical events and you're also writing a screenplay, uh, has there been cases where people have said, wait, that was my research that helped you with your movie? Um, where's my cut? You know, where's my credit for this? They, they, there have been, and, and usually they lose. Mm-hmm. Because um, facts, facts are not protectable by copyright. Mm-hmm. So if you use books as the as your background uh, uh, research, as long as you're taking the facts of that are in there, you're that's fair game. It's only taking this the specific expression. Um, there was a case involving the movie We Are Marshall, mm-hmm. which wasn't a was. was it wasn't a book. It was a documentary that was based on a documentary about this was a football team where they all died. Uh, the high school team, they died in a plane crash mm-hmm. and then they came back and won. Uh, um, My grandfather was a teacher at that school. <laughs> okay. okay. So you knew about it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, the people who made the documentary sued the people who made the movie and the court said, hey, these are just facts. Uh, there are facts in your documentary and they used Mm -hmm. them in the movie and it's fine Um, there you know in theory it is possible to uh, to to steal to have a case where the if the if especially if the book has an interesting or unusual um, structure or there there are you the 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 book creates dialogue sometimes a book will create dialogue Mm -hmm. you know uh, so it's it's making up and then you use that as you use that same dialogue that would be over the line right, right? okay right. but if it, but if you're using like court transcripts so it's actual you know exactly what was said then you're you're free to um, uh, to use it and you're pretty much anything that's in a court transcript you're free to use mm-hmm. so um, going to the, the writing process here what are some of the things you should look out for if you want to use products or perhaps talk about movies uh, in, in your screenplay? Yeah, people are always worried that, like, can I, can I say in my script, you know, he's wearing Nike, uh, can, I, can I have them talk about the Godfather movies in my movie? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course you can. Uh, there's, no, there's no claim uh, movies are protected by the First Amendment. Uh, you are allowed to have characters use real products. If you're shooting a movie, you're allowed to drink a Coke, uh, uh, have them eat McDonald's. You know, I mean, in, in, in Pulp Fiction, uh, Quentin creates uh, the, um, uh, what's the burger place? Uh, oh, uh, Big Kahuna. Big Kahuna Burger. Yeah. But they discuss... Burger King, right, and and the Whopper, 
and the uh, uh, or the quarter pounder with cheese, right? Why is it a, why is the quarter pounder treat? Right? You discuss McDonald's. It's fine. Right. In in Clerks, there's a huge talk about Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fine. You it's fine for people to discuss movies. That's what people do. It's fine to do that in your movie. Don't nice. be afraid. Uh, don't now. You can't show clips of mm-hmm. other movies in your movies. <laughs> you can't play songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, from other movies in your movies. But when you're writing the script, you are free to say, you know, Stairway to Heaven plays in the background. You mm-hmm. know, you are free to write that in your script. Now, putting in the movie may cost you a million dollars. But because <laughs> it costs you nothing to put in the script. Right. <laughs> so uh, this has all been fascinating and so much awesome information. Um, what are some of uh, the cases that you might find that that writers might find more inter- most interesting as far as like funny or just uniquely strange that they should just look into and, uh, and, and see this as an example of this bizarrity of legality of uh, copyright. <laughs> oh, that I, I have to think, I have to think about that. <laughs> I, don't that I don't have anything yeah. off the top of my head. Well, <laughs> Uh, as, well, I mean, I'm just thinking of like the, the, the Friday the 13th example. That seems to be something that has been going on for so long <laughs> that I just kept hearing about. But uh, uh, what? Yeah, it's, but it's, it's it, it, the, the issues. I mean, I, I've been following the Friday the 13th case. It's very interesting. And we, we mm-hmm. will have a decision probably in the next 30 days by the, mm-hmm. from the Second Circuit, um, which may or may not end the case, may or may not. But I don't know that a writer would learn anything from reading it. If you're right. not a, in most cases, if you're not a lawyer, um, uh-huh. uh, the, 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 the one interesting case was two years ago, um, Olivia de Havilland, uh, who two time Oscar winner, uh, uh, played Melanie in gone with the wind, uh, is still alive. She's 103 years old. Um, and she sued the FX series, uh, feud, uh, mm-hmm. Betty and Joan, uh, if you saw that with uh, Susan Sarandon and um, Jessica Lange. Mm-hmm. And in that movie, Catherine Stata Jones played Olivia, Newton, uh, Olivia de Havilland, not, uh, not Olivia. <laughs> not <Newton>. not. <laughs> uh, and and uh, Olivia sued uh, saying, hey, I didn't give you the right to use me in this uh, TV show, put me as a character in there. And she... she uh, and she was mad because she called in the in the in the television show. Uh, Catherine Zeta Jones calls them bitches or calls uh, Joe Crawford a bitch, and she said, "I don't use that language." And the the court uh, threw that case out. Mm-hmm. Here's this legend who comes into court. I mean, as sympathetic as can be, 103 years old. Like, don't put me in the in this movie. I didn't want to be in your TV show. And they said too bad so uh-huh. it, it, that's a it, it's a that's a good case actually because if for a writer to read because you can you can then see you'll it'll give you a great comfort level as to what you can do with real people and not have to worry about uh getting sued right and uh-huh. sort of tell you the limit so if there's a that's a it's, it's not a copyright case it's a right of publicity case right of publicity, but, yeah. uh, nice. uh, it's, uh, olivia de Havilland first is fx well, this has been so awesome and informative. Is there any last minute advice you could give us before we uh, sign off? Uh, keep writing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, 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 I, I see people come to me and they, they're like, I have this one script and it's like, 
it's never about one script. It's about having <laughs> lots of scripts. You just never know where it is. Because that one script you have, someone else is going to have that same idea. And then right. where are you? Keep writing. Just keep yes. writing. Don't, don't, let the, don't let the legal stuff stop you. Write the best script you can. You all, there's always ways to fix the legal stuff. It's easy mm -hmm. to make the changes. So you write the script. Don't worry about, don't go, I can't do this. It's, it's illegal. Write the script you want. Then come to me or some other lawyer and I can tell you what to change or what to modify in a, in a way that will not hurt the, your script, almost certainly. And, 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 and you can still get it made. So I would say, don't let the legal stuff scare you away from writing the script you want. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been Penny Terror, my guest, Larry Zerner, uh, entertainment lawyer extraordinaire. Uh, Google him, find his videos on YouTube. Uh, where can we follow you? Where can we, where can we find you? I'm on uh, Twitter at, at Zerner Law, Z-E-R-N-E-R-L-A-W. Uh, my website is uh, ZernerLaw.com. And, uh, and I give free consultations. If you think you've been ripped off, you can call me. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you and let you know uh, whether I think you have a case or not. No charge for that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks uh, for having me, Dave. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, stay safe out there. Until next time, keep writing. Whenever you come in here and interrupt me, you're breaking my concentration. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. And it will then take my time to get back to where I was. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. You're distracting me. We're gonna make a new rule. In here, that means that I work, I work, I work, I work. Terror is a Fangoria Podcast Network original, hosted by David Ian McKendry, produced by Natasha Pacetta, executive producers Dallas Sonnier and Phil Nobile Jr., associate producer Jessica Safa-Vemer, art and design by Jason Koslerich, sound recording, design, and mixing by David Ian McKendry. For Fangoria, Brandon Jones, Rachel Wilson, Brandon Wynardi, Monique Jacques, and Anthony Bonds.